BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. My name is Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, and the host of Friend of a Friend, a show where we sit down with some of my friends, your friends, and new friends to host inspiring conversations about building something from the ground up. If you're a fan of the Hills, you are in for a treat. Today's guest is a Hills and the City alum, Whitney Port. But a lot has happened since you've seen Whitney Port on TV. Today, she's a mom who started a family with her husband, Timmy, and has built a business around sharing honest conversations on topics like parenting, relationships, and everything in between. She's the host of the With Wit podcast, as well as the wildly popular YouTube series, I Love My Baby But, which gives a real look inside her journey to motherhood. In this episode, Whitney and I talk about what it was like to grow up on screen, how she transitioned her career off TV and into fashion, and her thoughts on parenting during a pandemic, as well as some of her best relationship advice while stuck at home. Here's my friend, Whitney Port. Hi. Hi. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Nothing much. We were just, Timmy and I were actually just talking to someone because we want to like start designing some merch. Like we want to do some long sleeve vacay to style shirts. So we were just talking to the designer and Timmy was on one. So like for the two of you or based on the pod? No, no. For not even for the podcast, just mostly for our YouTube community love that yeah they're just gonna be like really cute like like you would like long sleeve vacation shirts but they'll have little right. themes and things that are like pillars of our community I love that that's so fun I feel like merch is like a really fun thing to get into yeah it's fun it's it like allows us to be creative but also not take anything like too seriously you know like it's right. not like we're trying totally. to make money off it it's just like a fun project right what's going on this week I feel like I haven't spoken to you in like three weeks Ish. Oh my God, I know. All right, what's going on this week? This week has been crazy. Yesterday, I actually interviewed Lauren Conrad, which was, wow, yeah, really major because I haven't really caught up with her in so long. And I had like always been telling myself this story that she like didn't like me and wanted nothing to do with me because she was so embarrassed by the hills and didn't want anything to do with like all of us, you know, and put us in this little bucket. And I just, it's interesting how we can like tell ourselves these stories and believe them. And then you finally talk to someone about them and they're like, oh my God, I wish that you told me this like 10 years ago because like, that's so not how I think of you. So I interviewed her. So that was fun. I 
like announced that my candle collaboration is coming out. I saw that today. So excited about. Very cool. Yeah. And then tomorrow is Timmy's birthday. So I'm actually taking him to a hotel for the weekend for like a little staycation. So that's so nice. I'm so glad you guys are getting out. Yeah. I'm excited too. It's necessary. That's great. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm in New York, which is. Yeah. Like, it's funny. Every time I say I'm in New York, everyone's like, oh my God. Like, it's a very serious I mean, I'm jealous. I'm, I'm like, we were just, Timmy and I were just talking about New York. I miss it so much. It's probably so nice yeah. to be there right now. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I have, this is my first time back since I left for Fashion Week in February. And I think you and I talked about this when we were talking a few weeks ago, but yeah. I moved out in the midst of COVID because it, I just couldn't see like the silver lining of being back in the city. And, yeah. you know, I live alone there. My whole family and my boyfriend lived in LA. So I was live in LA. So I was like, you know, I can get a place here again. Like it's not going anywhere, but in this time, like why kind of waste this and, and take up the space if you're not going to be there. Right. And, you know, go home, feel in a safe environment. But like I had lived here for nine years before. And I know you can totally relate to like having a, you know, having kind of grown up and coming into your adulthood here it was really like a difficult thing. So it's amazing to be back. It feels awesome. I bet. It's a very different city right now, but I think that it's, you know, everything we love always has to go through transition and change. And that's just what's happening right now. And it's great. Their, their numbers are really low for like COVID transmission. And I think that is putting a really like nice, exciting vibe in the air and people are outside and the city needs that. So Wit and I both grew up in LA. Yeah. I would love to hear a little bit about your upbringing there because I think we had a very kind of similar upbringing, but you're like one generation above me. So I would yeah. love to hear about your experience growing up in LA. I know you went to Crossroads and would just love to hear all about it. Yeah. So, okay. So I was born at Cedar sinai Hospital and... Love that. Same. <laughs> Cedars babies. Didn't end up, ended up having sunny at St. John's oddly enough. Cause I was living on the West side. So, so I'm one of five kids. I'm the middle child. I have an older brother and then three sisters. Um, so it goes like my brother, an older sister, me, and then two younger sisters. I started at like Jewish day school. I went to Stephen Weiss until third grade. And then I went to Warner up Avenue Elementary, and then went to Paul Revere for a year and then to Crossroads. I had a really great, wonderful, beautiful upbringing. Like my parents were happily married. It was kind of like too much bliss. And sometimes I think that that didn't set me up for the point when maybe something would go wrong and then I wouldn't know how to handle it. Like my mom kind of always calls me the 75 degree child. Cause like, if things aren't really 75 degrees, then I kind of freak out. And I think that has a little bit to do with just how cushy my childhood was. So I went to crossroads and was like, not like popular by any means, like kind of a dance nerd, um, not really a great student either. was like very much okay with just being like an average student, which I feel really bad about considering how much my parents sent, spent on private school, but ended up going to University of Colorado in Boulder for a year and a half and tried I tried to be a business major, but I realized that you need to be pretty good at math in order to be a business major. And I think like I the same thing happened to me, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, wait, I'm like, oh, cool. Business major. Let's do this. Like first day of econ flat out F. Yeah. I'm like, uh, all right. Yeah. I'm I, my hands of this moving on. It was like microeconomics was one of my first courses. And I was like, 
what <laughs> what and I think I got a yeah. D and I was like happy that I got a D and then I'm like I can't I can't continue with this major like I really want to be like a legit businesswoman, but I just don't think that I can actually go to school for it so I then like tried to become a fine arts major and pretended or like convinced myself I was good but I wasn't and then I I was so unhappy at Boulder, sad. It, it makes me sad. I was like, I was so homesick and I was too immature to really appreciate what Boulder was all about. Like, I I feel like had I gone there now and had an opportunity to live in Colorado for four years, that it would be amazing and I would appreciate everything it has to offer. But as a 19-year-old I from California, I was just like, it's fucking freezing and everyone's drunk all the time. And like, I didn't join a sorority and I was just so depressed. So I decided to transfer to USC my sophomore year, like after my first semester, I had to get straight A's that semester in Boulder in order to transfer to SC. And that was really intense. That whole semester, like being like, I got to get out of here. So I'm just going to totally focus. And it was the first time that I ever got straight A's in my entire life, but I was just so determined to get home. Yeah. At least, you know, you could do it if you really set your mind to it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And so then I, I transferred to USC and I ended up becoming a gender studies major at USC, which I knew wasn't necessarily going to like set me up for what I eventually wanted to do, but I just found it so interesting and yeah. while, while I was in college, I had an, an internship at Women's Wear Daily, and that turned into my internship in Teen Vogue, which then turned into me being on the hills. And this was all happening while I was a student at USC. So that's like the Cliff's Notes. Crazy college experience. Yes, very crazy college experience. I mean, I was a junior when I, we started filming The Hills. I had a really serious boyfriend that like did not want anything to do with the show. So I was very adamant about the show, not showing any of my personal life. Like I was just really ever filming with Lauren in that closet. And then, yeah, it was really wild to like be on a reality, a big reality TV show while being in college. Like, yeah. I think God, social media wasn't around because it probably would have affected me in so many different ways, but I felt like I could kind of have these two separate lives. Like I could go show up film and, and do that whole thing and treat that as a job. And then my real life was really just like being partying with my friends and my boyfriend in college. There was so much during that time that I think set up the future of what so many young women and men would think of as the fashion industry, but there wasn't any social media. Right. But I think I'm so excited to talk to you today because even though that was such an important part of my upbringing, I have so much admiration for you because you took the platform that you had and you pivoted it to so many different things to what you're doing today. So that, that like entrepreneurial spirit to me is so interesting. And I'm so excited to hear about more about your journey, but Teen Vogue days were interesting. I honestly like distinctly have this memory of like that being the dream for me. Mm -hmm. Like I remember getting into NYU and going to school and being like, 
your dream is to work in the Teen Vogue closet, just like the girls on the hills. And you're going to have that job your senior, the second semester of your senior year so that you can try to apply for a real job there for when you graduate. And I remember that just being the dream. And it was so niche. It was so specific. It wasn't like working in the closet at Vogue, GQ or Hearst or anything like that. Like it was the Teen Vogue, Vogue closet. I know. And I, I yeah. the show was so pivotal for so many young women, like moving to New mm-hmm. York and wanting to be in the fashion industry, because it was like the first real look into what it actually looked like. And the show made it look so glamorous and so much fun. And I mean, when I was living in New York, like, I can't tell you how many girls would come up to me and be like, Oh my God, like I'm here in New York following my dreams because I watched you do it on the show. And that was the most amazing thing for me to hear, even though, you know, like it wasn't my idea. And I feel like the producer is really the one that should be proud for it. Like, it's so cool that it opened up this, this industry of like interns, you know, and especially like fashion interns. And yeah, it's, it spawned this whole industry, I think sometimes of influencers, like I don't, I'm not taking a hundred percent. I don't take credit at all, but I think that the reality show that I was on was so new and so innovative. And because it was real, people really wanted to be like us and dress like us because they were making everything look so glossy that people started like it's that that's what I think started the influencer game kind of is. Like- yeah. Well, I think there was like this, I think the the real like indicator to me of it being the beginning is the fact that you guys weren't just, and this might be a weird comparison, no, but it's not like it was watching gossip girl where like no one was working and everybody, you know, like was with their families and it was just super glamorous. Yeah. Like, this was actually, you were seeing you guys hustle. Yeah. While also like having a little bit of glamour, but I think it was the beginning of like the female entrepreneur, like building their career and working really hard while also looking really great at the same time and like going after what you want. Yeah. And I think that like that was what was super inspiring for someone like me. And then like seeing your career take off and like Olivia's career take off and people like that. Like, yeah, it was the big it was definitely the beginning of a huge era for fashion in New York. For sure. I and I. I think it's so cool to like be a part of that. And I think that that was happening. It's not like I, Lauren and I, or Olivia and I, or whoever it was, were the only people doing that. Like there were so many young people working in fashion and trying to build their careers. So many young, cool women. It was just that we were the ones on the show and we were the ones that were like symbolizing that kind of life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also really curious about like, that was the beginning of reality TV. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you grow up in LA right now, at least right after, like, my generation growing up in L.A., Mm -hmm. I was, like, known for, like, coming from L.A., where, like, reality TV was already a thing. And, like, everyone was like, oh, doesn't L.A., like, groom you for reality TV in some some sense? And I wonder what your experience was like because you were at the precipice. Like, you were literally the first, like, reality TV star ever. Yeah. Like, how that translated for you and even, like, what your opinion is on it now. Because it's come so far and, like, in some good ways and some wild ways. Yeah. So I, I grew 
like not grew up, but my family loved reality TV. But at the time, the reality TV we were watching was like The Bachelor and Temptation Island and like American Idol and a lot of kind of like competition type shows. There weren't these docudrama series like The Hills, like The Hills was really the only other thing I think that was kind of like it was, well, obviously Laguna Beach because it was the same creator and Real World. You know, Real World was a, a reality show that had been around forever that was actually showing people's real lives or at least within the confines of their house together. But I never wanted to be on TV. I never wanted to be an actress. I, growing up in Los Angeles, I was always around that. You know, like I had friends whose parents were big in Hollywood and I just really, really wasn't interested in it. And I got on the show completely organically. Like it's, it's really crazy how it happened, right? Like I think I was telling you, I, interned at Women's Wear Daily. And then I had heard Teen Vogue was looking for interns. And I just applied as like a regular fashion intern. And then it just so happened that MTV was filming with Teen Vogue and starting to film The Hills there. But I never, I never really wanted to do it. And it, it wasn't really that exciting to me either. And I think that's why I never really wanted to cause a lot of drama because I didn't want to be known as a reality TV star. Like what I really wanted to be known was or was as like a girl who was working really hard and trying to be an entrepreneur, but just so happened that cameras were following her, you know? And, and now it's funny. Cause I talked to Lauren about this yesterday. We were talking about like, do you, do you ever feel insecure about being a quote reality TV star and what people think of you? And have you had to try, have you had to work harder to prove yourself more because of that? And she was like, you know, I used to, and now I don't as much because I feel like I've put in the hard work. And and I still think the insecurity sticks with me a little bit. Like, even though there are so many people that do reality TV now and that it's not, it's not as much of like a cheesy thing, even though it can be, it kind of depends on the show, obviously. I still feel like I'm constantly trying to prove myself as a tastemaker because people think that I have just received this level of fame because I was on a TV show and they don't know that I was actually like grew up in a fashion family. Like my dad was in the fashion industry and that I was working in fashion even before being on the TV show, you know? So it is something that I have to constantly work to try to achieve. Yeah, I can totally understand that. And I think I would probably feel the same way, but it's funny you say that. I I, I was saying earlier, I have so much admiration for you, but so many other amazing women who have been on reality TV and had amazing pivots. But I was watching this video that Morgan Stewart posted the other day, and she was obviously on Rich Kids, and now she's a host on E! Yeah. But she was interviewing Rihanna, and the cam- the Zoom call opens up, and Rihanna's like, Rihanna literally says, oh my God, it's Morgan from Rich Kids? Stop and Morgan, it. you see Morgan go like this. Morgan literally said, Rihanna... I I, like appreciate you doing that. I have like cut that part out of my life, but like, thank you, queen. Like I can't, like she couldn't believe that she had acknowledged her from that. I mean, like so fucking cool. Like I would. Rihanna watches that show. (laughs) I literally, I think I watched the video like six different times because I just, I didn't know what to process first. I was like Rihanna watching rich kids or Rihanna knowing Morgan or like, I couldn't decide what it was that was crazier. That's amazing. But I also thought it was interesting that like that was Morgan's initial response where she was like, I've cut out that period of my life. And like, she's an amazing career now. And I admire her, you know, just as much I admire you for yeah. going after what it was that you wanted after having that platform, no matter how insecure you might be about it. Totally. But I, I can imagine that it's a challenging thing. 
Yeah. And I, I, the thing is I try to have gratitude for it because I shouldn't have regrets. I can't be embarrassed by something forever. I have to remember that it is because of that show that I'm able to do all of the other things that I'm able to do now. You know, I was thinking about this today because a question I've actually been getting asked a lot, especially in COVID is people asking me, what was it like when you left college? Like, what was that first year like? And what did you feel like going out on your own, whether it was like with your company or if you went somewhere else, but like I've had so many people be like, I don't think people talk enough about that period of time. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that like your time leaving the hills and transitioning into what you wanted to do was probably kind of similar to that feeling. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing is, is that after I did the, like after I graduated college that next fall, I actually moved to New York and started filming the city. So I didn't right. have that normal experience of being after college and being like, Oh my God, what do I do now? I have to go get a job. Like right. I was very fortunate to then be able to have the spinoff. But then once that, once the spinoff was over and there was no TV anymore and like, there wasn't a production team helping plan my life. I was like, at that point oh I started to have like a little bit of a quarter life crisis and was like, yeah, now what am I supposed to do? You know, like since I've tr- been 20 years old and maybe I was like, I don't know, 27 or something at this point when I moved back to LA and had to figure out my life. That's when it really got real for me. And I started to really have to work so much harder than I ever did before because it was just on me to make everything happen. And you probably like tied the show and living in New York so closely to your identity that it's like, wow, you have to start fresh almost. That's kind of how I feel now having like just moved out of New York. It's such like a hustle and bustle place that like, you don't even have five seconds to like hear the thoughts in your own brain. Yeah. Yeah. I know it takes some time for you to figure out what really works for you. And even for me, it took a while after that to figure it out. Like I came home and I started my clothing line, Whitney E with my family. I started it with my dad and my brother and then Paige, my sister ended up, you obviously know Paige and um, I love Paige. Yeah. And she, so the four of us were working together and doing it and it was all fine and good and dandy. And then my dad got sick and my dad passed away. And then I tried to maintain the business with just my brother and my sister, but it was too hard to do without him. So then when I shut down Whitney Eve, that point was also really like, oh my God, now really, what do I do next? Like, I don't have the TV show. I don't have my clothing line. Like, thank God seriously for social media, or I don't know what I would have done. I mean, I would have figured something out. Like I always say maybe, okay, so maybe I would have become like a stylist or maybe I would have become like a a creative consultant or something like that. But social media then enabled me to show my life through my lens and keep all my fans close to me. And so I'm so grateful for that. We'll be right back after the break. Support for Friend of a Friend is brought to you by Incipio. Founded in 1999, Incipio was born with a love for tech and the then novel idea to protect your phone. Now, 20 years later, they're still innovating and designing cases with us in mind. Incipio's new eco-friendly Organicore collection protects the planet and your phone. Is there anything worse than that moment that you drop your phone and you rush over to pick it up and pray that there's not a crack or your phone isn't ruined? Organicore cases protect your phone up to six feet. So say goodbye to that anxiety. Plus, Organicore is the perfect next step to becoming more eco-friendly because we all know that it's the changes that we make at home, big or small, that add up to make a real difference. Organicore is made up of 100% compostable materials that reduce landfill waste by re-entering the environment from where it started. 
from plant to case to earth. For those on the go, Organicore cases are also wireless charging compatible, and there's a lifetime warranty, so they've got you covered. And it doesn't have to stop at your phone. They also make AirPod cases, which all come in seven neutral colors that match everything. Plus, don't forget to recycle the packaging after you get your new case on your phone, as all Organicore packaging is 100% recyclable with eco-friendly water-based ink. You can purchase Organicore cases online at verizon.com or your local Verizon store. But if you want to get 20% off and free shipping, go to ncpo.com. That's I-N-C-I-P-I-O and use the code FRIEND at checkout. That's 20% off and free shipping at ncpo.com with the code FRIEND. Hi, I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra. My passion, calling, and job is really all about blending together holistic practices with real evidence-based science to help people around the world cultivate more optimism, success, and resiliency. You won't want to miss this new podcast as you'll get to hear from elite athletes, recording artists, couples, and maybe even my toddler. So if you're into arming yourself with some new practical happiness tools, join me on Mondays for your morning optimism dose. Oh, and don't forget, things are looking up. Now let's get back to the show. I'd love to hear a little bit about what the foundation and like building blocks were to get to the point that you're at now, because mm-hmm. I absolutely love you across the board as a personality on YouTube, as a mother, like I'm not a mother, but I feel like I'm constantly learning from you and your family and yeah. your most recent episode on relationship advice. Yeah. And I don't know, I, you know, there's not a lot of people that feel really approachable and kind of break down these challenging things that we deal with in life and do yeah. it in a really, really honest comforting and an intimate way where like, I'm really listening to you guys for advice. So I'd love to hear about what that process was. You closed Whitney E. What building blocks were you laying down to get to the media empire that you're at today? Yeah. So really when I closed Whitney Eve, I did not know what to do. I started dabbling in different things. Like I became a creative director for like a flower delivery company. I like helped them with their branding and, you know, fun stuff like that. And I started to be like advisor for little companies, like the company called Bundle Organics that made snacks and tea for pregnant and nursing women. I was like, I started to just try to be a creative advisor for little companies. And then I got pregnant and had such a hard time being pregnant. And Timmy, who's a producer was like, if you're having such a hard time, like there have to be so many other people that feel this same way and just aren't talking about it. And this was still kind of not the beginning of social media, but kind of like it wasn't, this was now four, four years ago. I feel like that was the beginning of when people were like, Oh, I'm going to build a business out of this. Yes. So, so he was like, we should start a a series and you should, or, or at least you should start talking about how you're feeling and we should put it out there on YouTube. And I think that series, I love my baby, butt on YouTube is what then has helped me be able to build everything else that I do. Like the foundation of the company is creating this community where people can feel heard and feel validated and not feel alone. And I always think the foundation of a company has to be something greater than just like selling something. Like it has to be some sort of ethos. You have to start with the why. Exactly. Why? Not, what like, what are, not the name. What are you doing this for? Like, yes, like you want to make money, but the way you're not just doing this for free or for fun, but you can't just start by selling a product. Like you have to start by like, for us, it was just really being vulnerable and real and connecting with people on that level. 
And then we, we did that. And that, that is, I think what has organically been able to help me do everything else. Like from that comes obviously brand partnerships and collaborations. I use that platform and I'm doing a similar thing on with wit on my podcast. We do the city reaction videos that shows like a very intimate layer of our relationship. And then I'm also now like I have the candle collection that I'm able to be creative and do collaborations like that. And my rent the runway collaboration, but I think it's all based on me just being open about what I'm actually dealing with, which was really hard for me at first, because I thought people were going to be like, Oh my God, what a monster. Like she's complaining about being pregnant. I can't even get pregnant or no, but like, I think the subject matter that you're talking about, like takes a lot of courage to talk about that. And it's people like you that break down those things that we cry about behind Mm -hmm. closed doors and aren't brought to light because they might seem taboo, but it's a real thing that people go through. For sure. Even the most intimate things like Timmy and I talking about our fights that we get into, or even like our most relation, our most recent relationship episodes, like not a lot of people talk about couple issues. Most couples are having these conversations or like, in some way, some form of them, but they're just not sharing them. Like I always, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall, not in like a nosy way, but in my best friend's relationships. Cause sometimes I'm like, I don't even really know like what the relationship is like. And like, I hope that they feel comfortable that they could complain to me or tell me something and that I'm not going to like judge them or think they have a bad relationship or whatever. And so that layer of our, of, like Timmy, Timmy now being comfortable opening up because he would never really wanted to be part of my social. Like he right. was a producer. And so I think him being open to that and us being able to show the behind the scenes of our relationship has also really resonated with people because so yeah. many people are afraid to talk about that stuff. I've always had this rule when it comes to anything, whether it's like my own relationship or if, you know, a friend's asking me for advice, it's that you have no idea what goes on in a relationship behind closed doors. No idea. The only two people that know are the two people that are in it. But when that's the case, who do you turn to for help? Right. So I think it's amazing. If you guys want to hear more about this, go to the wit with, wit with, wow. It's, I know it's, it's a time, but they're probably not so smart on my call. <laughs> Honestly, great. Because I've just said your podcast name like six times. Yes, with wit. <laughs> podcast her and Timmy do the best like Q&A episodes where people call in and ask their relationship questions and they answer honestly and it's amazing because you kind of get both perspectives and it's probably one of my favorite podcast fits out there right now so definitely go check it out thank you I would like to know though because I think in quarantine my boyfriend and I have been a little bit more like cross-pollinated in each other's work And he's very open when it comes to my work with like giving me advice or, you know, he'll like listen to my podcast on a drive and call me and be like, hey, you could have done this differently or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super important, obviously, in a relationship to support each other. But I think it's rare to have Timmy be so involved in your professional life. And I think a lot of people are always like, oh, keep it separate. Mm -hmm. But when it works, it's beautiful, like it does with you guys, Mm -hmm. where it's like you're actually helping people through being through the decision to be more open. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit about where you find some sort of boundary in that. Yeah. So it was really hard at the beginning because I was, it's taken us a while to find our groove because 
when Timmy's producing, he can be very direct. Right. And then I'll take things personally and I'll be like, Oh my God, does he not think I'm smart? Does he not think I'm well-spoken? You know? And like, I start to, I'm so sensitive. Yeah. And so it would cause a lot of friction between us. Cause like, he'd say something like, no, no, no. He'd like cut me off. And then all of a sudden my eyes would start to well up and then it would be like, we would have to stop filming. And then, you know, there was a lot of that, a lot of that. And now, I mean, we have gotten to the point and through also like couples therapy, talking about it with someone else to have another point of feedback. We say when we're working together, it's like Timmy has his producer hat on, right? Like not his husband, hat. not his husband hat. Like he's just trying to be the most efficient he can possibly be. It's nothing personal. He just wants to make this a success and he wants to make you look the best that you could possibly look too. And you have to trust that. So now when we're doing it, we kind of just have this understanding where it's like, whenever we're filming, I'm kind of, I take the back seat and I follow his lead and his direction. Cause he's more of the expert when it comes to that. And I'm just like the person in front of the camera and it has taken like a little bit of, of work to get there, but it's nice because we're like intertwined in this fun thing that we do. Like we, you know, the YouTube reaction videos, they're just like really fun to do. So fun. Like, and I think his responses are hysterical. Yeah. The last one I watched, he was like, wow, wait, you really were bitchier than I remember you being. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this is so savage, but I love it. I know. So we, we have, we've figured out a way that it works. You know, we figured out a way and we've defined roles very clearly. Like I'm not, I think that's important is to really define the roles and to, to know what's going to set the other person off. to like really be able to choose your battles. For me, I make sure like all kind of organize things. And I know like the scheduling of things and I'm like more in front of the camera and he's obviously producing stuff and he's better at writing copy than I am. And he's, he works on like the editing kind of like the post is all him, but we have very clear lines of like, who's responsible for what. And I think it's different when, you know, it's not like we're just family or friends working together. Like we're husband and wife and we're trying to build of life together. And so there's no competitiveness. We both want this to be a success just as much as the other person. And we both want the other person to be like as successful as possible because our individual successes are combined successes, you know? So if they're giving you any kind of criticism, like you have to look at it as constructive, like they're not trying to tear you down. They want you to be the best possible. Except when I'm like in a bitchy mood and I'm like, Alex, you didn't really handle that call well. And he's like, stop listening to my calls. <laughs> That's when quarantine crosses lines. <laughs> yeah. Or for me, sometimes I'm so annoying. Like I'll literally, I work in the guest room and he's in our room and I'll go in, I'll just like barge in and like start talking to oh him my about God. something while he's in the middle of something. And I've had to really scale back that because me that's too. Annoying. That's really annoying. I'm really glad that it's just not me that's doing that <laughs> because- Alex started going back to the office like once every couple of days. And he's like, yeah, it's less distracting. Smiley face, smiley face. And I'm like, fuck, I really did used to just barge in the room when he's like on Zoom calls. I'm like, no, give no fucks. Yeah, exactly. It's not fair. I know. Like now the door is closed and we like knock before coming in. Even though yesterday, right. oh my God, I was getting a bikini wax here at the house and he forgot that I I'm was going to need that number. One. Yeah. He forgot that I was getting one. And so he knocked 
And I said, no, I was like, no. And I think he thought, yes. And he walked in and I'm like, oh my God, getting a bikini wax and I wanted to die. I was, I mean, it's like, obviously it's my husband. I'm sweating. But you you do not want, you do not want your boyfriend or anyone watching that happen or even knowing that you You want you want no one near you in that moment. Like there's not a lot of things that I'm like, Alex, you can't be here for this. But like that, no. absolutely not. No. I know. Wow. I'm really sorry that you had to experience that. that. Was, I, I hope you're sorry feeling okay. I, I'm like, what a use, even though he's like seen me give birth. Probably really so. traumatizing though. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's probably traumatizing for sure. <laughs> I would love to talk a little bit about, because you are one of my favorite resources to turn to in terms of parenting, even though I'm not a parent, yeah. Not again. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's it's so beautiful. I love seeing you narrate your journey with Sunny and in everything from just being in quarantine to school to your relationship. Like I think it's just such a beautiful glimpse into a real day to day life of having a family and also running a business. But I'd love to hear a little bit about what it's been like for you guys in quarantine, especially as I feel like I have so much empathy for women right now who have their own businesses and are working and also have to deal with like the homeschooling as well. Like that is so crazy that we're in that time right now and it must be really intense. I know. So the good thing is that Sunny's only three. So it's not like I feel the pressure of having to do the whole school situation, which I'm so grateful for because I would not be good at having to deal with that. The first couple, the first three months, it was just Timmy and I doing everything like working, parenting, cooking, everything. That was intense, intense, intense. Like when, when it was like major real lockdown craziness. I mean, guys, I learned how to cook. I learned how to do my laundry. I learned how to clean the toilet bowl. Like we really all had big transformations in the beginning of the queue. Right. (laughs) And then now we have a nanny, which I'm so grateful for. Like, I have to be honest, that is how I'm able to really do anything. Like, yeah. I would not be able to accomplish all the things that I I have to do or I want to do right now without a little bit of help. And I think it's okay to ask for help. And I think we're probably even for that reason going we're thinking about sending him back to school. His school's open now just because he's like ready for some social development and and really needs it. Yeah. It's a tough age to be totally separated. I have a friend who has a five-year-old and we were talking at the beginning of this and I was, I was like, it must be really challenging to have her be isolated. And she said something to me that really stuck with me where she was like, we can socialize our kids. We have social media to an extent, but she was like, I don't want my kid to grow up afraid of other people and to be a germaphobe. Totally. That's what's so hard is that I have to constantly be like, like if we do see other people be like, no, 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 or hold, hold, hold them back from things or even teach them what germs are. Like, it's like, it's so sad that you have to teach distance instead of teaching us to be like a community and like a loving intertwined, you know, humankind. So that is hard. But if I, I've learned a lot from, you know, I've talked to different child development specialists on my podcast and my mom and friends of my mom, and they all have said the same thing about kids being so resilient and especially sunny, like with his age, he's three years old. This is going to be a blimp on the map. Like it's, he's not even gonna probably remember this. I actually read something on Twitter yesterday from someone who I follow who tweeted something like, close to five women have told me that they are 
quitting their full-time jobs because they need to handle their family and take care of their kids in school and help homeschool. And I have so much empathy for that. And I really like, I think it's an issue that I just want to be as vocal as I can about while we're dealing with this, because it's just, I I really appreciate people like you and, and other mothers out there that are being really open about this process because I can imagine that it's a struggle and yeah, you know, I'm mean, figuring it out. Yeah, I feel like listen, if I had more than one kid and they had to be homeschooled, like I would probably look yeah. at this very differently and I would have to really scale back my career a lot. And so I Isn't that just saying those words is a insane thing. I know, but I would expect like my husband would likely have to do it too. Like I believe yeah. both it has to be a 50-50 thing. Like the mom is totally agree. the one that should be responsible for all of those duties. But yeah, I, I think that hopefully those women can think of it as just like a phase to just like get my family organized. And then once things go back to normal, I can get back into it. But I can't, totally. I can imagine that it's so difficult for people and women's identities and confidence to have to completely switch gears and now all of a sudden become totally. a stay-at-home mom when they really didn't want to do that in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. What are you looking forward to right now? What's something positive that's happening in your life? What's exciting you? Huh. Obviously the candle collab. We're yeah, excited about the candle collab. Um, I have another rent the run rent rent the runway. I keep on saying rent the runway. <laughs> I have another launch with them coming this fall that will be really exciting. What else am I excited about? I love I've I've told you this before, but I love what you're doing with rent the runway because I need to be out of sweatpants. Yeah. Like give me clothes that I can wear in my house that are cute, that aren't sweats. I know. I mean, I say that to myself every day. And then when I actually go to get ready, I just put on sweatpants. It's obviously a hard time to launch that kind of a business when people aren't really motivated to want to wear that stuff or don't have any place to actually be. Yeah. But, you know, so much work went into it and it's so many people's jobs. It's like, I can't just not launch it, you know? Of course. Yeah. And I think also like as much normalcy as you can feel and also provide other people with, that's really important. Like, I think I would feel weird if I didn't see like new launches or new things or people working towards progress or things going on. I think that would feel really weird. So I think the more if you're able to, and it's for something that makes people feel good, I think the more power to you. Yeah. And I'm also trying to focus right now on a little bit more of like infrastructure stuff, like hiring a few people to help me with strategy because it's not really something that I'm very good at, at like forecasting or goal setting. And then I'm horrible at that. Yeah. And then also (laughs) like redoing some brand, like redoing my website, redoing my own branding, like fun things that are creative that are just those things really get me excited when I can actually yeah. be involved in a creative way in my business. Yeah. It's a good time to do that. I think yeah. a lot of people are like, okay, if this time I can't be like you and I travel a lot, like yeah. I'm not going to events and fashion weeks, like how can we take that out and still do something equally as creative and simulating that will like help our, help up our businesses grow equally as much. So yeah. I think that's a fun, smart thing. Yeah. 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 Same. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to talk and thank you for all your amazing advice and for all the incredible work that you do on your platforms. Oh, thank you. This was so easy and so fun. I felt like I was just catching up with a friend. I guess that's why it's called friend of a friend. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. 
And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Bs. See you next week.